It's Josh. What's good? It's your boy Darius. What's happening? It's Matt. You are now tuned into the Dominant Decade Podcast. Let's go. I'm trapped in. I'm trapped in. I know it. Hey, I know I'm trapped. I'm trapped. Trap. I know I'm trapped. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look. I heard my nigga talking about me. Whisper getting close. Uh, nigga same breaking bread. This episode is sponsored by the Good Brothers over at Golden Wings by Friars Gate Kitchen in Irmo, South Carolina. Featured on episode seven of the podcast, this black-owned restaurant serves up the best wings and plenty of other things in Columbia. Located at 7971 North Woodrow Street, Suite 10, Jason and James are your go-to spot for wings, fish, turkey burgers, salads, and much more. Y'all make sure to check out James and Jason at Golden Wings. Now here's the episode. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Dominate the Decade podcast, man. We got a very special guest on the pod, uh, Mills Davis, uh, artist. He's a songwriter. He's an entrepreneur, a man of many hats, I should say. <laughs> Mills, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are y'all? You're doing good, man. Mills, man, we glad to have you here, bro. It's been a long time coming, but definitely, definitely glad to get you here, bro. So Mills, bro, just to get started, man, we know you have uh, music, we know you have all this stuff going on. So tell me what's going on in the world of uh, Mills Davis right now. Right now, I'm um, currently musically, I'm working on a new album um, called Mrs. My Last Name. And um, yeah, so musically, that's what I'm working on. I'm also working on a soundtrack to a new show I have called uh, Any Given Saturday. Um, it's a documentary I did for a youth team, youth of uh, a uh, football team here in the area um, for my streaming service because I decided two years ago or at the end of 2018 that I was going to start um, my own streaming service. So, so yeah, so, and this is like a pre-launch kind of series thing. It was like the first thing I did. So this is just like a little something to promote the streaming service, which is launching next year. But so, yeah, I'm working on the soundtrack for that. And that'll be out on the 26th of uh, September. So, yeah. And, man, I'm working on a lot of stuff. Other than that, um, oh, man, it's a lot. I got my production company, um, Emil's Davis Film. So, uh, yeah, just working on a lot, working on a lot. Yeah, I hear you on that, man. And even thinking about a, a streaming service, how, how did you get into that? And what made you want to get into, like, having your own streaming service? Um, really, I was just sitting back and, um, cause I like to analyze a lot of stuff and just like a lot of things that go, that's going on currently. So I realized like with Netflix and, and Hulu and all of this other stuff. And I was just, so I was doing my research and I was like, okay, this is like the future. Like this is what everything is going towards. So I was like, okay, why not create something of my own? Of the same stature, but just something a little different. So I said for independent um, filmmakers, I said, why not have a streaming service for independent filmmakers? So I was like, you know what? Boom, I'm gonna just start that. And that's that's really when it clicked right there. And it's so cool, I would say with the uh, streaming, like you were saying, having your own service, because then it gives a lot of people different opportunities and stuff like that. And so they're able to get on it, obviously have good enough product, hopefully they're better running through what you have going on. But to see the important the important thing about it is, and the one thing I do want a lot of people to know is I'm using this platform for other people uh, who do create 
any type of visual material, film material. This is a platform for you to get your stuff seen and, you know what I'm saying, to monetize your your uh, content. So, yeah, it, it's really important. And, and as um, we come into 2021, I'll be doing a lot more uh, press releases and a lot more uh, giving out a lot more details on how people can get involved and what exactly people can do and how they can get their stuff on there. But it'll it definitely be a game changer for, for hopefully – Black creators and just all creators all around. Mm. Yeah, so I see that you are just big on uh, promoting independent artists, but also independent like freelancers or any creatives, just to use an overarching term. Uh, how much does being an independent play into the things that you do and kind of where you see yourself at the end of the day? Um, it's important. 100% ownership is important. That's key. Um, we should always want ownership. We don't. We should always want um, to have a voice. And being like being independent, I don't want people to uh, misconstrue. Like being independent, you can still be independent and be and be a major player, a major factor. It's just my whole thing is just ownership. You know what I'm saying? Not having to sign anything away and have people in control over what we do and what we create. Why not us be the creators and be the owners? And, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's the more most important thing about being independent and just yeah, so that that's why I advocate the Moses. Not even just like I said, not even just being independent. It's just you being the owner of what you do and what you create. Cause that's 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 what that's what's gonna matter later on. You know, not just now, but just forever really. Yeah, in the book that I'm reading, The 50th Law with Robert Greene and 50 Cent, they talk a lot about whenever you have ownership, too, you work a lot harder because a lot more at stake. It's like literally your name or whatever product that's going out. So that does deem to be super important. But I want to go back for a quick second. Uh, I remember you were saying you're, about to, uh, you're working on an album right now and even a soundtrack. What usually kind of gets you started? Like, what's your creative process until wherever it's like a complete product? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so what gets me started? Um, okay, uh, really, okay, I'll say this, listening, I'll listen to, so once I finish, uh, let's just use my last album, album as an example, once I finished my last album and I was getting into this album, um, it was really just one life experiences, that's one thing, all of my music is based on real life experiences, so that's one, but then two, because also I'm a producer, so I'm big on production, so I like to listen to other music that influences me and things that get me going. So once I have some life experiences to talk about, I'll write down ideas. It may not be full lyrics or full songs or anything like that. It just be little ideas. And then I hear some, I hear some music, whether it be new or old, and then it just inspired me to like really get into the process. And what I, I'll start first when I do start the process, I'll start with the production first. I sample, um, as a producer, I do a lot of sampling, so I like to go and dig for old songs and try to, not even just old songs, just songs, period, that I like, but I do try to go for older songs, and um, yeah, so I start with the production, and there, like I said, life experiences and, and production, and from there, it's just, that's why, that's why uh, my fuel comes from. So definitely hear that uh, in your music, it has kind of like a, a old school undertone. You use a lot of samples that are from like different categories of music. Uh, what inspires you to listen to this music or where did all this start of you listening to uh, like old school music and 
uh, integrating that into your own style? Um, well, it's two things, really. One, I had to give it up to just my parents, for one, because they, as I was growing up, they played a lot of older music. And uh, but really what it was, I got introduced to YouTube. Once YouTube became a thing, I was on YouTube just listening, just listening, searching stuff, listening to music, just finding songs. So that's how it really started. I was just on YouTube, just searching songs, listening to songs. Then I got, once I got into like learning who the artists were and liking their music, I would, then I would go to Google, search these artists, uh, find out who they are. And then I would go read books, try to find anything that I can. And that's how it really started. And then, but just as far as like the older music, I don't know. I just, I'm an old soul. A lot of people call me an old soul. So I just, I like, I just, I don't know. Like, I can't give you a, a for sure, like an exact answer of why I like it, but it's just my vibe. That's that's what I tell people. It's just my vibe. It's like, it's what I like. Yeah. And- I was going to say, uh, Obviously, we got uh, Gladys Knight and Patti LaBelle's versus battle tonight. Uh, so who is like your, when you say you like old music, old soul type stuff, like who is like your go-to like artist and whatnot? Go-to artist. Are you asking me like my favorite artist or like just my favorite artist? From my I would say favorite artist and then also like if there's an artist that you particularly like to sample a lot, like who is that for you? My favorite artist of all time is Kanye West. That's my favorite artist of all time. Now, um, an artist that I like to sample a lot, uh, I would say, and she really, she's not that old, but she's from the 90s, Mary J. Blige. What about Mary J. Blige? Uh, do you like to sample? Like, is it her her voice? Is it her, like, beats? What What about her do you like so much? Oh, it's the it's the voice. It's the soul. Like, like her sound, the music that she made, uh, specifically, like, her first two albums, is, like, the exact sound that I try uh, replicate in my music. It was the the hip hop beats, like the boom bap beats with the soul and you know what I'm saying, how she was singing, how she was singing the vocalizing. And so that's exactly, it's, it's both, her voice and the production is what really kind of, her MRI carry, I'll say it's them too, because it, it's, it's the same thing. I love their voices and I love the production, like they could sing on hip hop beats. And that's what I love. Okay, gotcha. Oh, man, I definitely wanted to ask, uh, you mentioned your parents kind of instilling a little bit of that old soul into you. Uh, and we actually had your dad on the podcast. I think that was episode seven, Good Trouble in Golden Wings. Uh, if you haven't checked out that episode, go back and listen to it. Um, but yeah, we talked to your dad and didn't even know it was your dad until like a little bit before the episode, uh, a little bit. But um, how much did he, your dad being a business-minded person, like instilling you uh, having to like own your things and create things for yourself. One of the things that he mentioned was uh, Mills has never had a job. So how much of that, uh, I guess, influenced you and plays a part into who we see today? Um, That's a good question too. He kind of, he influenced me later on because I started really, really early. I was really young when I started doing this. So but as far as him influencing me, it really him, my whole, my brother, my whole family, they just, it wasn't like, we never had like a talk or it was never like, you, you know what I'm saying? You should do this or think about doing this. It was more so just action. Uh, my dad taught me when I was younger, he would always tell me to uh, pay attention to your surroundings. Just pay attention to what's going on around you. And I would, um. so yeah, I just took that and then, 
just based my life off of that. So I would just pay attention to what he would do, my brother would do, just as far as being like businessman, because he had he had a restaurant um, before earlier, couple couple years back. Um, he did mention it in the podcast, like, cause I, I listened, I checked y'all out. So, but um, but yeah, so I just it was just that when he instilled that, just pay attention to your surroundings. That's all I did. I just sat back, cause I'm a real quiet dude. Like I don't really say much. I don't really do much. But I one thing I do is pay attention. And that's one thing I learned from him was just, just pay attention to what's going on. So, so yeah. Mm, a wise man once said nothing at all. Shout out to the boy Drake. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, but you did say that one of your favorite uh, artists was Kanye West. What's your favorite song of his? Um, that's a good question. Uh, oh man, it's a lot of them. <laughs> Josh. Right. Right now, I'll say, right now, I'll say, oh, man, Runaway. I'll go with Runaway. Ooh, classic, classic. Yeah. I feel like asking what's your favorite Kanye song is, like, an unanswerable question. <laughs> it is. It is. But for the podcast, I just, I just gave y'all one, but it's, it's hard. Trust me, it's hard. He, he's got too many good songs over the years. And one thing about him, he stayed consistent the whole time. Like, his music is has been top-notch his whole career, in my opinion. No, nah, most definitely, man. He, if anybody, he influenced me the most, just me studying him and paying attention and watching videos and listening to his music, watching his videos. Man, he inspired me the most. Like, everything that I do, you know what I'm saying, I really have to give it up to him because, like, he showed me, if anything, I'll just say that he showed me anything is possible. And that you can do anything that you want to do, and can't nobody tell you nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, man, nah, definitely shout out to Kanye West. Yeah. From your opinion, what makes him such a creative genius? Is it like how he thinks, what he thinks about? Like from your perspective, I want to know what you think. Um, simply, everything he said he was going to do, and everything he said he's going, he says he's going to do, he does it, and he did it. So. That's one. Two, he changed the game for hip-hop producing. Kanye created a whole different sound. He came in the game, and now sampling was always a thing. It wasn't like he – I'm not saying he created sampling, but he created his own style of sampling, and now that you – he he in, influenced this whole generation. Like, it's not an artist or anybody really that you can't say is not influenced by Kanye West or, or his uh, – a product of Kanye West, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's why he's a genius to me. And, and for many other reasons, like, he's innovative. If you go back and watch his videos, go back and watch the Runaway film he did for My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Like, it was a lot of things that he did that were just so ahead of his time. And he, he continuously continues to shift the paradigm. So that's why, to me, he's a creative genius. I heard on that, we were all checked out the, for the listeners, we all checked out the Cannons class where Kanye was talking on part one and part two. I remember one part that he said, he was like, he asked one of his friends, like, you ever produced a project like Mercy? Yeah. <laughs> freshman year, I think that was 2012, 2013 in the weight room. And I'm hearing that and I'm like, yo, how did this thing even come together? And then he also was talking about Dark Fantasy and like two or three other albums of songs. And yeah, then he was like, yeah. that's just and he was like, that's just in 12 months. And I'm like, oh, that's a major flex. Yeah, he created Dark Fantasy, Watch the Throne, Cruise, Summer Good, Fridays, 
all in 12 months. Like, and those are classic projects, classic projects, classic music. So, yeah, man. For anybody who said cool so much trash, they, we got to have a talk. We got to have a <laughs> Man, hey, he must have been on some other stuff during that year because, like, those projects in itself, those are all, like, legendary projects, man. So his creative process must just be something completely different. Yeah, man. And, and the crazy thing is he didn't even mention throughout that throughout that year all the albums that he executive produced and all the artists that songs he produced. So, that's crazy. Yeah. That's one thing that uh, I will say. I, did, I was never really hip to, like, the, the back end of music, you know, like these producers, the Pharrells, the Timberlands, all these different people. And if you think about it, that's kind of 50%, if not more, of what music is, you know, like those are really the unheralded geniuses behind these projects. Um, so the fact that Kanye does his production he does his lyrics, all this different stuff. It's like, man, that's really some other stuff. Definitely, and it's it's important too. Like, a lot of people, for just a, a normal music consumer who just listens to music, they don't really care. You know what I'm saying about what really goes on into making an album or making a song. But that stuff is important. Like I tell people all the time, the engineer and the producer is more important than the artist. So if you're somebody like me, I'm gonna just use myself as an example. When you're the producer, the engineer, the writer, uh, the artist, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it you you have a, a a different appreciation for it because it's not easy, and it's a lot of things that goes into play in the studio that uh, has a song that makes a song come to what you hear it as as an end result. So, you know what I'm saying? It's definitely more people do need to appreciate all the people that have hands on into just the music period. Yeah. Are you a big fan of the, cause I've seen this, there are a lot of different styles how people release albums. Sometimes it's like one a year, like one project a year. And sometimes it's like a couple every, every so months. Like you see uh, NBA Youngboys releases a lot of projects throughout the year. Which one do you see more effective or do you think is, is one is best for one person or one might be best for another? Okay, um, well, I will say this. In the streaming era, because we're in the streaming era right now, um, if you're a new artist, uh, this is hard because I not like that question too. But in in the streaming era, if you're a new artist, I would say it's best for you to release as much content as possible. And when I say content, I mean like more than just the music. I'm talking about music videos. Like if you can do uh, anything, if you can do like you yourself recording of doing like a live recording of, you know what I'm saying, the songs or whatever, like any type of content that you can do and do it on a consistent basis because we live in what we what they were calling before, like the microwave era or people still may be calling it that. So, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, and then you have the, like you said, and then you have on the other side, you have artists who only drop maybe one time every two years or one time a year. And you know what I'm saying? And it'd be no promotion. It would just, out of the blue, oh, drop the album, you know what I'm saying, and drop the single. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Beyonce was, like, the first person to do that back in, like, 2013 with the uh, album Beyonce. So it's, like, it's really just, man, I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard. Well, it's not. This is my motto. Nothing's ever hard. Nothing's ever difficult. You just got to have a some type of structure, some type of plan. So releasing music now is, like, 
<laughs> I can't even find a word for it because it's just so like you have people who want to hear something now and tomorrow and they want to hear something new every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I could drop an album. Let's just say like me, Kanye, Beyonce, like we all drop an album on Friday. People going to want to hear or see some other stuff Saturday. Like Friday is <laughs> not enough. Like, you know what I'm saying? So nah, man, but it's it's definitely, it's definitely now it's like, it's more calculated in, it, it, it's just with the music industry, the more that you learn, the more that you know, the truth is like, you can't have a lot of yes men and people, a lot of yes people around you because it'll, it'll hurt you. Like certain artists don't need to drop a lot of music. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially if you're delivering high quality music, you don't need to drop a lot of music. You know what I'm saying? But if you're a new artist and you're still kind of finding your way, yeah, release the music. Drop as much music as you can because you're only going to get better. You get better with experience. You're not going to get better just saying you're going to do something and you're not actually doing it. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and but yeah, it, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's just a like, I'm half and half on it just because like I said, we're in the streaming era. So, man, it's just, because me personally, I was, I was, I'm not really a fan of like dropping singles. I don't feel like that's really a thing anymore. And with, but with the streaming era, it's like you're gonna get more streams. The more consistent you are, kind of the more streams you're gonna get. So if you're not already like a mega big artist, but a lot of those artists streams aren't really real. But that's a different conversation for real. Different, you know what I'm saying? But but yeah, so it's just it's a, it's half and half with me. Yeah, now I was about to say, and as a fan, I love whenever uh, you discover a new artist and they have like a catalog where they work the music. So therefore, as I can go back and listen to the track, depending on who it is, uh, we'll usually listen to progression of the person, maybe from when they first got started to wherever at that point, wherever it's the music that I might find on Instagram, or Apple Music, Spotify. And it's like, okay, this is where they've come and I like this now. Oh, definitely. That's important. That's important to me. I feel like that's important uh, specifically for like new artists you should definitely want to have a catalog. Now, that's one thing, and I'm glad you brought that up, because that's one thing I do advocate for is, like, have because once people do discover you, if they have more music to go back and listen to, it's kind of better on them. Now you have a a fan, you know what I'm saying? Now you have somebody who's, who's now indulged in what you're doing, you know what I'm saying? They care now. But if it's just, like, one song and then they can't find anything else, it's like, all right, have good luck trying to build a fan base. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For real. Yeah, so that's one of the things that I would say I, I don't know too much about, like, the back end of the music stuff. So every time I go to your Instagram or Snapchat, you're always giving game on, like, the ins and outs of uh, the music industry. Um, what's something that you feel like the average person or the regular consumer doesn't really understand about the music industry and how it works? Um. That's a good question. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna go with one thing. Let's see. I would say, um, man, man, I'll go with like contracts. If that, if that's a good, good can I go there? Okay, yeah, contracts. So, and when I say contracts, I mean all contracts, like management. Like a lot of people don't know there's a difference between a management deal and a production deal. Like, and uh, somebody will come and approach you and say, oh, I want to do this for you, blah, 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 and think, and you're thinking, like, they're telling you, I mean, I'm going to be your manager, and it's like, no, but really, they're offering you a production deal, so it's like, 
you kind of got to know the difference between those two things. You got to know what's really in these contracts. Like these contracts say a lot of things and a lot of these words mean, don't really mean like a like what we use in regular English when they're written in a contract, it means something totally different. Mm-hmm. Like, so people, for me, I feel like people got to learn contracts, learn what they mean, learn the, the words that are used in contracts because man, it's tricky. Like, Stay away from it. Stay away from management teams. Like, stay away from all of that stuff. If you're an upcoming artist, I'm telling you, if you if you if you want to, it is important to have a team. Let me say that it's important to have a team. But build your own team with people that you trust. Don't just allow someone just to come up to you or DM you and say, "Hey, I want to." You know what I'm saying? It's like nah, because at the end of the day, these people do not have your best interest. At the end of the day, it's all about money. It is all about money. You know what I'm saying? And as a manager, a manager wants, wants to take 20% off top. But if you're a new artist and you're not really bringing in any revenue or streams of income, what are they taking 20% of? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and, it, and if they, they promising you, oh, we can do this for you, we can do that for you, okay, it's cool. But it's like at the end of the day, you can have, they can promise you, oh, we can get you up to let's just say 30, 30,000, I mean, yeah, 30,000 followers, 100,000 followers. 100,000 followers doesn't mean 100,000 streams. 100,000 followers doesn't mean 100,000 tickets sold. 100,000 followers doesn't mean 100,000 merch pieces sold. You know what I'm saying? So that's a lot of things you have to take into consideration when they tell you these things because it's all just talk. These people, they, they, they have you sign your name away. They have you sign uh like your likeness away literally you can sign like if you do a photo shoot they they can use that photo shoot for whatever, those pictures for whatever they want to they own your image you know what i'm saying and you sign that away so it's like no 360 deals like please understand all these artists y'all think out here who are doing good looking good flashing i promise you they don't own none of that jewelry they don't own none of that you know what i'm saying these artists are signing 360 deals and a 360 deal for those who don't know is basically the the company owns the rights to your music. They own the rights. So say if you go and do a deal with, uh, you get endorsed by or sponsored by, um, I say Sprite. They they now own a percentage of that. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, to tell you, they might even own your home percentage of that, but you don't know that. And then these what they do is because you're a new artist. You don't have any lawyers. So you don't know anything about the music business. You don't have a lawyer. You don't have an attorney. So they say, okay, we got you. We'll give you an attorney. Long hold, do you been, do you know that attorney represents the labor that you're assigned to? So, and that's not good either because now the attorney is going to make sure the label is going to take more advantage of you because the label is who's paying the attorney and you. You know what I'm saying? So they doing what's best, best in the interest of them getting paid, like I said, and that goes back to what I said in the beginning. They all, It's all about money. That's all they care about. And so, like I said, it's important for people to understand ownership. I know a lot of um, young people uh, my age, all of our ages, I know a lot of people don't care to, like, go back and listen, listen to, watch interviews and listen to older people, but I promise you, people like Master P and, and people like Kanye, watch these people interviews, they're telling you, Dame Dash, these people are telling you not only do they live these experiences, but like they telling you stuff we shouldn't even know. Like this is stuff we should not know. You know what I'm saying? So 
it's, it's, it's very important for people to understand contracts, man, because you would hate for you to work your whole life and you finally, you, what they like to say, you get your shot. And then when you get your shot, it's like, okay, now, now what do I do? And they control everything. It's like you worked yourself up to that point just for people to control everything that you do. And that makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? Like you did everything. You marketed yourself. You, you, you made the music. You, you, if you're not a producer, you went out there and found the, the music. You, your own uh, A&R. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what you want to do, but these people get in your ear and tell you, oh, I'm going to take you to the next level. Man, don't, when people say stuff like that, don't believe that because that means nothing. Like, what does next level mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, people try to equate money as, oh, you, we can take you somewhere. And it's like, nah, the end, all money is not good money. It's like, yeah, you want to monetize your content, but monetize the content that's true to you and that can be true to others and inspire others and motivate others. Not something that is fake and that won't be around next year. Like look, like, look at a lot of rappers that came up off of SoundCloud. You don't see a lot of them around now. You don't see a lot of them with uh, a hit song like they had a couple years ago. So it's important that we pay attention to stuff like that. Like, man, I promise you, these labels will not pay you. They will give you jury. That's exactly what they will do. They will <laughs> give you jury, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then another crazy thing is they offer advances. And in advances, they give you, so you say you sign a million dollar deal. So they give you an advance for like, let's just say, no, let me take that back. Let's say they give you a million dollar advance, right? So you sign your record deal and they give you a million dollar advance. But what they don't tell you is that that advance is recoupable. So you're, everything that you do, you're paying for it. It's coming out of your pocket, but you don't know that until until you release music and it's time for you to make some money off your music and you realize you didn't get anything because everything that they gave you and you spent all of that, now they have it's recoupable. So now they gotta get it back. So mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't exceed expectations or if you don't do the numbers that you're supposed to do, then man, it's gonna be bad for you. You're gonna be like every other artist stuck in these deals and you'll wonder why these artists took three, four years to release music. It's because they took these advances and they spent their money and they shot these high budget videos and you know what I'm saying? And not knowing that they're the ones paying for it. Not, you know what I'm saying? But the label's not telling you that. Now they're just letting you think, okay, you want this? Okay, we'll give it to you, but you're paying for it. So if your music doesn't sell, good luck to you. I don't know what you're gonna do, but you know what I'm saying? So it's important for you to read these contracts. Did you you learn this stuff heading like, on, like as you're like kind of as you are now or did you learn it like as you're coming into the game um it, it was it was as i was it was as i was getting into it like because i started like i said i've been doing this for about a decade now so i started when i was really really young and like i said just reading books watching interviews and just paying attention man just paying attention and what they try to do is they'll throw stuff at you like biopics and then they'll do like stuff like that and like people we just look at it like oh it's just content we get to learn their story no really read between the lines if you go back and watch the biopic they did on tlc it tells you that's the highest selling group excuse me the highest selling female group and they made no money Mm. that should tell you everything you need to know right there so yeah it was just i just learned as you know i'm saying as the years as the years go by 
Yeah, that's one of the things that we're big about. Like, we all try to spend our time like educating ourselves about whatever it is. All of us have different interests, but now we live in such a such an exciting time because there's no lack of information. All that information that that you were just saying, it's all out there. So it's really just like you just have to go out and seek it and find it and apply it. So there's really no excuse to get trapped in these deals um, to be getting I basically messed up by these companies and trapped in uh, debt and all this different stuff. So really just doing your own research and everything. So that is great to see that you're doing that, but also educating other people as well. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. That, um, that part about you breaking down kind of what, uh, what all goes into a contract, some of these things that are behind uh, these contracts that really you can't really tell if you don't have a lawyer or you haven't done this uh, research for yourself. That's the stuff I feel like we as a community need to get on, like, and get on for ourselves, you know, like, it's, it's crazy to think that we kind of dominate all of these lanes. And I was just talking to my brother and my dad about uh, the NFL and how it's all basically on the backs of all these black players, you know, but yet they're still being oppressed, you know, and it's kind of the same thing that's going on in the music industry. And that has gone on for so many years. Yeah. Nah, man, it's crazy. And I'm just, at this point, I'm just shocked that it's still happening. Like, and these stories are being told. People are coming out telling their stories. And, they, and see, the thing is, it, it has to start with, with us, the younger generation, you know what I'm saying? Like, and even the people younger than us, is like, it has to start with us. Like, we have to, we have to push it, but you can't force anybody to, you know what I'm saying? You can't really force anybody to want to do anything, but at the same time, it's like, we want better. And if we want to have things for ourselves, we have to learn and we have to want to be able to learn and to be able to, you know what I'm saying? Want the information. And you know what I'm saying? A lot of people just don't want the information. A lot of people don't care. They just see what we've been trained to do. And that's being brainwashed. They just see what we see on TV and in the videos and yeah, just in, in on 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 the games or in the games and just in general just everything that we see on these screens and we get and we get uh what's the word i'm looking for like we get influenced and we just want to be that so bad but we don't care about the logistics and anything that goes behind it we just want to be that what we see on the screen because we think that'd be a better life for ourselves and nah we can't if we can't do the business and if our business isn't right our life isn't gonna be right we're not gonna be happy if we got money you know money don't make you happy trust me i can tell you that right now you know what i'm saying so it it, it don't make you happy it's just our business got to be right we gotta want more for ourselves so kind of in that same sort of vein of thinking uh i know a lot of artists uh specifically like female artists usually but i think i've heard a lot of different male artists come out and talk about it too about how black celebrities are also expected to be these sort of like civil rights figures almost right um so kind of what are your thoughts on that like what do you where do you think an artist's role is as far as like social responsibility i don't i don't think we should look for artists to speak for us um i think if if they weren't already advocating for it and if, if it's not something that's true to them and it's something they really care about 
And then it's like, all right, cool. I rock with your music and that's it. But I'm not really looking for you to speak for anybody or to speak for my people or, you know what I'm saying? Especially if you're not educated on it. That's the one thing. If you're not educated on it, just say that. It's not, it's nothing wrong with you saying, okay, I need to educate myself on this and I need to learn more. Okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? Don't just speak up because yes, you have a voice. Artists do have a voice and they have a big voice at that. But at the same time, it's like, don't just use it just because you have it. If you don't know anything, don't say nothing. It's fine. I promise you, these people who try to get on people for not saying anything, it's like you would rather them not say nothing because they don't know much than them to say something. And it'd be, it'd be like, bro, are you serious? Like, did you really just say that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, so I don't say we, we should look to any artist or any celebrity at that to speak for us. But if they do, you know what I'm saying? Just be an advocate. Just be you. Be Speak for what is right. You know what I'm saying? Don't just, like I said, don't just speak because you have a voice. I don't feel like that should be a thing. I don't feel like we should pressure anybody to speak, to speak because they have a powerful voice. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that, that brings up a, a topic that I kind of felt one way about, you know, the, the back and forth about J. Cole and the no-name situation. How did you feel about that? Uh, because I will say that I felt like J. Cole kind of, I guess, even being a little laid back with the situation and saying, hey, I don't really know too much. Like, I can't really speak, even though I do have this platform. Kind of just what you were saying. I can't be the one to speak on this. I know you guys are looking to me to say and to speak out about all these different things. But, hey, there's other people that you should probably hear from rather than me. So what are your uh, opinions about that situation? Um, I don't feel like, because from, uh, from what I know, I don't think she said him specifically and what he responded to, but people were saying, like, it's obvious that she was, like, referring to him, Kendrick. Um, but, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that. That's probably going to get me some backlash. But, like, <laughs> I don't feel like, I don't feel, I'm just be honest. I don't feel like it was her place to say that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, we get it. Like, yeah, they speak about, they advocate for black people when they speak about black oppression and they just speak about black people a lot in their music, just overall universally. universally well, dang, I can't even say the word, but y'all can get what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was, I don't think it was her it was it was I don't think she should have said anything, but at the same time she she said what she said. He responded and I, I honestly I don't think he was in the wrong, but at the same time, like he didn't he didn't have to respond to her. Like you could have just yeah. it could have just been what it was. Like she said what she said. All right. But then also if you pay attention to what he said in the song, I think it was important what he said in the song. Like just separating from the fact that he did respond to her. I think it was very important what he did say in the song and people kind of shot away from that. Um, and it was just more focused on the fact that he responded to what she said, which was like, y'all missing his point. And I think that was his whole point was him to try to get across how he felt, but people weren't trying to hear that. They just, you know, people like to stir up drama and all of that other stuff. But yeah, but yeah I don't, does anybody remember exactly what he said, by the way, in the song? I think that helped the listener out in case they missed it. I will say that, the, and this is up for interpretation, I feel like everyone that listened to it 
kind of can take whatever they want from it. But in my opinion, I felt like he was saying, yeah, there's this woman that is more educated than me, knows more about this subject than me. And you can come at me in a different way rather than condemning me saying, hey, you're wrong. Like you're a bad guy for not speaking on this different stuff. And he even said in one line, like you should treat people like children. And it, it takes a, takes a while to kind of get people up to speed that you've had the ability to get yourself to by educating yourself, reading all these different political books and stuff. So the same people that you're like yelling at and saying uh, they're not doing enough. uh, These are the people that you need to like bring up to your level over time and just consciously putting seeds out and saying, Hey, like follow this path, you know? So that's what I got from it. But I can see the the path where other people are saying, oh, he shouldn't be saying that uh, she shouldn't be talking to him this way, or he does all this different stuff in his music, but he's not really about it in real life. I can see what people are saying. It's just, to me, it's all up to interpretation. Yeah, you can educate, you can educate somebody without putting them down or shaming them. As a matter of fact, that seems to be the best way. It's like, educate me. I think the common expression is educate me, don't belittle me. And I think that really, when you can do stuff like that for people, really helps them. Then hopefully they go tell somebody else and each one reach one. Y'all know how that go. Because nobody ever learned from anything they were shamed into. Mm. True. That's a bar. (laughs) I feel like there are so many people, a lot of celebrities out there, but specifically in our community that are just misunderstood, you know, like in Kanye being one of those people, um, and I would say Nick Cannon would be the <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one that is uh, is majorly misunderstood. So, so uh, them collabing for this latest interview, uh, the first one dropped like two weeks ago. The second one dropped a week ago. Um, them collabing was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for this. This is about to be so many gems dropped. What did y'all think about that? Did everybody watch it? Yeah, uh, I y'all know I enjoyed it. I thought they, first of all, they hit on some hot topics. They were talking about Planned Parenthood. I didn't even know they were going to go there with it. But it kind of seemed like whenever Kanye started talking about that rally uh, that, that he had in Charleston, that was kind of his main point. He kept hitting that and mentioning that a couple of times. But even when they started it, he was talking about them wearing the vest. And I was like, okay, they're wearing a vest for like a fashion statement. But then Nick, I think Nick Cannon was the one who said it. He's like, you know, we're kind of saying some dangerous stuff here. And I was like, Oh, so that was something I had thought was pretty cool. But yeah, a great interview, hit on some hot topics. And uh, Darius didn't agree on some of those. So I'm intrigued to figure out what you did not like. <laughs> yeah, what was going on to Darius? What, what didn't you okay. Hold on, let me, let me go to my notes out because I got everything down. <laughs> uh, I will say part one, I, so I enjoyed part one. I don't know what happened between part one and part two. Maybe I was just in a mood today. I don't know what it was. <laughs> But um, so I will also say, I think I will agree with several points Kanye made uh, about how a lot of people choose to use his mental health as a way of kind of discrediting or belittling the things that he does say. Because I do believe that like some of the things he says sometimes uh, about maybe like the way that the world works or the way that, you know, some people think, I do believe that he's right a lot of the time. Uh, however, I think a part of me where a lot of my disagreement came in, uh, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in a position to 
sit here and tell you whether or not somebody is a Christian uh, and like how that walk should look. But I will say that to me, it was a little uncomfortable with Kanye saying like, yeah, basically, and I'm paraphrasing. And if I'm getting this wrong, y'all check me. Uh, like, you know, God has set me up to be president of the United States <laughs> and in the same breath being like, yeah, like, like he's like, he talked to his friend, like, what if, like, basically, have you dropped anything like mercy? Like, yeah, the Republican Party couldn't buy me, like all this sort of like, very prideful stuff. But like, you're also God's instrument at the same time. Like, mm. like, what what is happening? <laughs> Yo, I, I see what you're saying there, man. But I think it, it is a serious flex to say, man, I, I made this song, Mercy. I made these albums, but hey, him throwing these uh, these accomplishments out onto the playing field, like, I guess when you're talking politics, it doesn't really hold too much merit, you know? So it I, I just say, you know, what does this have to do with anything? But still, you know. And like I said, and, and I'm not, I'm never going to discredit the man because like, like we've been talking about, man's a musical genius. Nobody can argue that. Nobody can take that away from him. However, <laughs> we've seen what a celebrity in chief can do. And I'm just not so sure that I'm ready for a second one. And I'm not sure that Kanye's really done or said anything for me personally that convinces me that he is actually able to do the job of a president. Because he kept saying that, like, you know what? Oh, I can read the energy in a room. Oh, as a Gemini, <laughs> I can do all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, okay, but like, Read the Constitution, Kanye. Like, I don't need you to read my energy. Read that. <laughs> hey, we've seen here recently that the presidency role has been uh, kind of based off of a capitalism. It's like the money make that seems to have weight in things nowadays. And also uh, the popularity contest. And so it seems like if those two have any weight, he can definitely win with those. But no, I definitely agree with you on that. That is hilarious. It's like, yo, I, hey, I know energy and stuff like this. Like, wait a minute. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, how is that going to help us never trying to negotiate deals with such and such and such and such country and work on like peace treaties and stuff like that? Yeah, I will say that I think he's very authentic in what he wants to do and what he wants to get done. And it's like, I, I can see the, the positives and negatives to the situation. Like, yeah, he's super passionate about what goes on. Uh, and that's good to have, but also it can be bad sometimes. Like you can't have, a president melting down on stage, you know, like that, that shouldn't happen. But uh, I can tell how passionate he is, especially with some of the things that he brings up specifically about the black community, you know, mm. uh, and where he was talking about how uh, 22, no, 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 225 million black babies have been aborted over the last 50 years. And that's a staggering number to think about. When he said that, I was like, wow. And he even said uh, that, well, abortion, uh, it doesn't even add up to, no, 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 altogether, like um, heart disease, cancer, uh, diabetes, all these different things, it doesn't add up to the total number of people that have died, children, uh, babies, abortions, whatever you want to call it, uh, have died over the last 40 years uh, combined. And I was like, man, that is some, that's a large number of people, you know, so that that's some crazy stuff to think about and with the amount of people who viewed it because i checked the viewers thing is like one million or something like that that's definitely a staggering amount of something that probably catches people attention yeah and so uh 
uh, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, this is definitely a hot interview for you to tune into. And did you hear that part whenever he goes, uh, what, what did he say? He's like, he sent the information to somebody and somebody goes, thank you for sending. <laughs> this is not funny, y'all. But he goes, thank you for sending that. And he's like, why would you thank anybody for sending that? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I was a little confused about that part, too. Like, why would you say thank you? But yeah, I, I was super grateful that they came together and uh, did this interview because uh, Nick Cannon by himself has been going through a lot of uh, ups and downs in the media. So two guys that are very prevalent in the media and two guys that are equally uh, misunderstood, you know, like come together and have or be able to have like a long form discussion. That's something that I will tune into at all times, you know. It, it can it kind of seems like they do that quite often because they you hear them say a lot of times oh yeah i was just texting you about this and this that and the third and it seems like it's a really good thing that you can see like african-american men and power as a matter of fact like getting together where they're sharing, sharing scriptures or whatever the case may be and it's like okay this is real good this is good and then whenever they end up like opening up the table and letting us be able to take part of the conversation it's like oh so these are how some of these conversations go yeah actually i kind of had well i don't want to say i had an issue with that but one thing that I thought was super, like, I, that I had a question about was the fact that, well, specifically, whenever Kanye was more so talking about, I guess, his political ideologies and whatnot, um, kind of about how, like, brainwashed people are, specifically Black people, we can't ignore the fact that they are two, I guess, very rich Black men. And so there comes a point at which, you know, intersectionality does kind of have to like factor in here somewhere where like, you know, yes, they, they, they're thinking that they are thinking on behalf of all black people, but that is in part affected by the fact that they're both very rich, both, both men and also both have like a, a lot of, I guess, social capital and social power that other people can't necessarily just tap into. And so I don't know, or I don't, I wonder what would happen if someone who didn't necessarily check off those boxes as well was also a part of that conversation and could like kind of like remind them of that if they're not already aware of that. That's just a question that I had. Yeah. And I do think that's a fair question to ask because obviously they're in positions that the majority of people are never going to be in, you know, so their views are going to be different than the majority of people, you know, so I see it from both sides, um, but with how our political system is set up, everyone's view and everyone's vote counts the same, you know, so you can't, I feel like you can't discredit what certain people say and brush it off as, oh man, they're crazy, you know, even in our black community, it's like, you hear so many people and they brought it up in the interview, it's like, oh, they're coons, like, oh, they're crazy, like, you, you can't really discredit what other people are saying just because you don't agree with it. So that's my only problem. And that's, that's why I, I guess, try to hear them out more than the average person, because I'm like, okay, I like when someone says something, they stand on it and then they explain it, you know? So. Yeah. You hear Killer Mike say it all the time. He says, like, I know, although I'm higher up on the scale, I guess, as far as money, when I, I vote in my best interest for the betterment of our people. And so I feel like you see that a lot. Well, at least we hope that that's what they're doing when it comes to the polls as far as voting in the best interest of, like, the common. Because we know there's only a couple millionaires, a couple, well, 
lot of millionaires these days. Only a couple of billionaires, but at the same time, it's like, yo, but this is going to help everybody else who's under me, who, who may not have had the same resource or who may not have the same level of fame or money that I have currently. So, Mills, I mean to ask you, because, bro, I feel like success, I know you're already successful now. You're doing so many great things. Hey, can't wait for the album, by the way. But uh, I feel like it's coming for you just in a matter of time. How much do you, I guess, view being a celebrity, to, uh, so to speak, or having a following? And what do you think are the positives and negatives to that? I don't... I don't really care to be famous or to be a celebrity. Um, but at the same time, I honestly feel like at a certain extent, you can't really control it. Because like you said, once you do have a following and once you do have people are like, you know, kind of, because when you get to that point or when you just get to a point where you do have a following, it's like those people are doing the work for you and that kind of, you know what I'm saying? Bringing the exposure to you and for you without you really having to do anything. So, but for the most part, it's like, it, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm iffy about it. But like, like I said, cause I don't really care. And the more and more that I do and the more and more exposure I do get, I know it'll only get worse, but I'm like, man, I just like my privacy. That's, <laughs> that's really, yeah. I just, I just like my privacy. So as long as I can obtain that and, that can that can stay where it's at. I'm good. Like, but as far as like positives and negatives, I'll say they do lose their privacy. And that's a lot of things. That's a lot. That's something that Kanye West does talk, talk about a lot is that he did lose his privacy. A lot of that does have to do with him too. I mean, he can't disacknowledge that, but you do lose your privacy and you do lose. It's like people want, and the crazy thing about you being a celebrity or just you being famous is like people who don't know you are like the people who want to get to know you the most. It's like yep. they want to know everything about you and they want to know what it is that you did today. What did you eat today? Like, what do you like? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're working on music. Who are you in the studio with? Or like, what song did you make today? Or like, and then it's crazy. Like people do crazy stuff. Like when your album track list comes out, then they'll start bringing up old stuff that you posted. Like, oh, is this song going to be on there? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, bam, chill. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like those are kind of like disadvantages. But like pros, man, I say you you do have a voice and you do have a voice and you can use your voice. And also it's like things that you see while you're, uh, let's just say, on your come up and you want to do certain things for people that you can't necessarily do to the, to the certain extent that you want to do it. It's like once you get to that point, now you can do it. Now you can help people. Now you can uh man you can do so many good things once you do get to that point and you get and you have a following now so it's like i mean i'm gonna just take it back to the ownership thing because that's very important so it's like once you do have a following you can get people to like you can like go straight direct to direct to consumer that's that's what i'm looking for you can do direct to consumer you don't have to worry about any middleman you don't have to worry about having to go through anybody or any platform or anything like you can literally say if like you had an album coming out and you you want to give people uh pre-access to or you want to drop merch or you want to do anything specifically for your fans you could do that because you have the advantage you know people are looking uh, looking for you they're looking for you to tweet they got your tweet notifications on so there are definitely perks to it 
that I would say you just have to use it to your advantage and just not be evil about it. But I'm just, like I said, I'm definitely on the edge about it. I just want to be, keep my privacy as much as I can. Mm. And I, I feel like it's, that that's what perfectly sums it up. But I also feel like it's, it's a blessing and a curse, you know, like I, I seriously, and it's hard to say that you feel for people in these positions, but thinking about it and seeing like all these different people swarming them, all these people taking pictures, asking questions, it's like, yo, that has to be a whole task to go through. Like you have to think about life in a whole different way. So I'm like, when Kanye says, I, I can't even do anything like as a normal person, it's like, man, that's something that we'll probably never experience. You know, that's a whole different way to live life. So definitely a blessing and a curse. And you, you see some uh, celebrities do it very, very well. I love how Kendrick does things. Like he's probably the most famous rapper, entertainer or whatever that still has what it seems like from the outside looking in, like his bubble of privacy. Like you don't know what's going on with Kendrick, you know? So I, I feel like he does it in a great way. Definitely. I, and one thing that Kanye has said that I think is very important is people always say just about, not even about him, just about all famous people is, oh, I couldn't be in your position, I'd go crazy. But then you, you're quick to call that person crazy. Mm. Which is funny because like, you're calling this person crazy because of the predicaments that they're in, but then you're also saying, oh, I couldn't be you. I'd go crazy. You know what I'm saying? So it's like everything that people say nowadays is like you, you're like going back on your word. It's like you say one thing and then you say you're contradicting what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's really crazy. But like I said, and, and it's crazy that you brought up Kendrick because, yeah, like, the way that he, the way that he goes about it, is kind of the same way I want to go about <laughs> my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, drop an album when I'm ready. But I, I do more things, and the, a lot of things that I do, do I have to be out there more. But I mean, for the most part, like I said, just so I can control it. You know what I'm saying? As long as it's nothing too crazy, then I'm, I'm all good. I'm not about to be out here calling paparazzi on myself or nothing like that. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, uh, one question we always ask on the podcast uh, when we have a guest come on is, how do they plan on dominating the next decade? So we're going to pose that question to you. I love that question. I love that question. Um, how do I plan on dominating the next decade? Well, I plan on dominating the next decade by simply becoming the most impactful, uh, innovative I don't even, I'm going to use the word tycoon. Mm. I'd be the most innovative and impactful tycoon, black, you know what I'm saying, tycoon of, of this decade. Of, yeah, musically, um, film-wise. Man, tech, I'm going to use, tech, say, tech-wise, media-wise, because I'm creating a digital media platform. So, media-wise, um Man, just all around. Anything that has to do with media, yeah. The world the world is in my hands, man. So that's how I plan to dominate this decade. That that's perfect, man. That and so many things are happening right now, but also over these next five to ten years that it, it really will shape up, I feel like, however we want it to be. So it's good that you have that uh that mindset. Ooh, black tycoon. That that's a word right there. <laughs> yes, sir. A, a, another episode with 
another one of uh, Dutch Fork's finest, man. I alluded to it in uh, Malik's episode, but yo, Dutch Fork, man, I swear we, we just got something in the water over there, bro. <clears throat> oh, definitely, man. Yeah. Shout out to that's my brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, his episode was great. That was uh, our first guest, actually. So, um, and that's actually how I feel like uh, we got intertwined. Like Malik, um, we were always cool in high school, and I knew he was cool with you. Um, and I would see him walking around, a dude with a full behind beard. Yo, yo, we were in tenth grade, and this man Mills had a full behind beard, bro. <laughs> struggling trying to get mine to connect. This man had a full beard. I was like, yo, this man looks like a rapper. So <laughs> dude is doing his thing, dominating his lane. Already dominated the last decade. About to dominate this next decade. You really do love to see it, man. So keep up the good work, Mills. I appreciate y'all too, man. I, I like everything that y'all doing. I'm definitely, I listen, man. I'm with y'all, you know what I'm saying? You got my support. Anytime, anytime, man. Anything y'all need, man. Just let me know. I got y'all. It's, it's all we, love. It's all love. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We appreciate it, man. Is hey, that's all I got, guys. You guys got anything? Hey, we probably gonna use one of your uh, songs as like the extra. So since you got our back, please don't hit us with no copyright notice. Uh, we get to go. <laughs> hey, we we about to get that invoice as soon as it drops. <laughs> But no, look though, before we get off here, I'm gonna I'm let y'all know and just throw out the invite to you. Um, when I do finish my album, I don't know exactly what I'm gonna do yet because this whole COVID thing going around. But I do wanna, I do want y'all to, to definitely get a pre-listen to it before it comes out and uh, get y'all opinion on it. You know what I'm saying? So get to dominate the decade exclusive on my new album. Oh, need that, bro, for sure. Yeah, hey, we will be to see it. We will be in the building, bro. You just let us know, and we are there. We're tuned in. Sure. All right, man. Well, that's it. Hey, where can the people find you, bro? Where on social media? Like, I swear you got like four or five different social medias, bro. Plug them all right here. Yeah. Okay. You can find me personally on all social media. Just type in Mills Davis at Real Mills Davis. You can find me. Um, you can find my film production company, our all-purpose video and film production company at Emil Davis Film. Um, you can follow my media conglomerate that I'm currently building at Mile Entertainment, M-Y-L-E um, Entertainment. And yeah, my streaming service, we have a new series coming out September 26th on YouTube exclusively. The DSP will be relaunching next year. You can follow that at Mile Network, M-I-L-E Network, all one word. So, yeah. Mm, perfect, perfect. Well, can't thank you enough, Mills. We're looking forward to everything you got coming, man. We appreciate you. Uh, that's another episode of the Dominate the Decade. We're out. Peace. soul your love jones is holding value they don't see and go no artificial gmo i want to take you out that space and gravitate your margin so let me plant those seeds like i grew up farming jedi with the words now i got a luke skywalking dance you to this song i'll introduce you to the fly walks and a holding one i couldn't strike you like a mini golfing 
I praise you like a Sunday, here's my service offering. See, at this point, I think my words won't do me justice. All these double meanings could cross me like double duchess. I circle around the thought of just knowing your mind's circumference. In this direction, I'm navigating the compass. Beauty Jetson with options to choose selections. Natural hue with no need for color correction. Examine all of your blessings. I call it holy inspection. If looks could kill, I guess she's a deadly weapon. Yeah.